You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to the Pixels Nink Podcast, episode 284, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and uh, joining me today are Phil Brown. That's me. And Jordan Biorti. Hello, hello, hello. And Brendan Fry, unfortunately, could not join us today, so it's just going to be us guys. Yay! Yay! That's why I hijacked his usual greeting to keep his spirit alive mm. <laughs> in these troubling times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we will all, we'll, you know glow in the spirit of brendan we'll find a way we'll find a way to keep going anyway shall we get started guys let's all right so um let's talk about some of the things that are coming out this week so um in actually it's coming out more next week than this week so uh we've got payday 2 which we're already starting to see some reviews on uh from the on the switch yes and uh yeah i know a lot of people are really excited about that i know jordan's excited about this yes uh well our own uh Pedro Davila. Davila. I wanted to say De Silva. I was going to get it super duper wrong. Uh, he just reviewed it. It's on the site. You can check that out. Um, yeah. He seemed to enjoy it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got I got uh, excitement for Payday Two. Although based on some of the things that are being talked about, uh, I might it might be one of those things you have to wait for. Um, but we'll get into that momentarily. Yeah, we'll get into more details about that one later because we got a little bit of a. There, there is a bit of controversy with the uh, uh, switch thing, release, what, with the switch release, and what people have been reviewing, and what uh, is going to come out on the official launch on the twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so next up, we have Metal Gear Survive com- uh, just launched its servers. Oh, um, yeah, it looks you know rough. what? <laughs> I had I had a lot of fun playing with it in the beta, but from what I'm understanding, there's there's so, there's been a lot of talk about uh, paywalls and microtransactions later on. Oh yeah, there's there's. They legit put in. Um, you you have to pay for save files. It's ten dollars yeah. for a save file. You get one and, character uh, file, and yeah, then you, if you want another one. Yeah. So that is just disgusting. It's like, huh, such a shame, though, too, because I like I said, I had a lot of fun playing this game. And yeah, but I feel like I don't know, Lise, Are you, you are you the kind of person who's just okay with another boring generic zombie Dude, game with crafting it. and? Yeah, well, you never played everything it. It I've fun. seen about it is that what it looks like? It's like, oh, let's make another zombie survival game with crafting and you know, stupid handholdy like managing your stamina bars for the entire game and call it a Metal Gear. Like that doesn't look like the kind of game I would be into. That's nor okay. does it like so, respect the legacy of Metal Gear. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it's so filled with microtransactions, just given that this is like very clearly a cash grab by. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm all I'm saying, guys, is it's still a shame because it could have been honestly, it could have been a fun game. There was a lot. There was a lot going on into it that was kind of not really being talked about a lot. And now, such as, well, we're talking about the single player mode. I mean, they had a whole bunch of stuff that was very uh, Metal Gear Five about it, which was kind of neat. But such as your mom. Why why would I want to play Metal Gear 5, the zombie survival game with crafting elements, when I can just play 
Metal Gear 5, the wicked game that was made by Hideo Kojima, like the Metal Gear 5 already exists. I didn't need another Metal Gear 5 with like literally everything that makes it good stripped out of it. It's because your mom's in it, Jordan. We just talked yeah. about this. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. that's all well and good for those who are fans of my mom, but yeah. And I tell you, there's gonna be a lot of people disappointed is, by that. I'm really inter- <laughs> it's just really interesting that someone who hasn't played the game has this much salt about it. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Well, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Next game mm-hmm. to come out, if we're gonna talk about stuff, is uh Past Cure came out this week. Um we're going to be having uh, a review of that of that one really shortly. Um it's just a it's a horror game. Apparently it's uh got it's got a lot of interest in it, but uh I don't know. It seemed that if we're going to talk about games that seem a little bit uh, repetitive, this one kind of feels like it. Mm. So, yeah. What does this look like? A like a Quantic Dream game? Kind of. Yeah. That's that's the impression I'm getting. But we'll have to see. I haven't tried it out yet, so I'm not going to make a judgment on it. Um, You're not doing your job, Lise. That's our jobs. So we t- we look at ten minutes of gameplay footage and we make a call. Yeah, see, I have more ethics than that, so... I don't. Not when it comes to Konami. <laughs> they, they, they lost all credibility when the first move they did with in, in a post-Kojima Metal Gear world was make it a pachinko machine. Oh, they man. don't get the benefit of the doubt with me. Well, at least you're honest. At least you're honest. At least you know where you stand. <laughs> okay. Honesty is the best policy, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right, moving on. <laughs> Uh, so the co-founders of Sledgehammer Games and the directors on Call of Duty World War II, uh, Michael Condry and Glenn Schofield, uh, they've left Sledgehammer to pursue new things. Um, that's cool. I mean, I feel like, yeah, when you spend the past 10 years making Call of Duty games, you're probably going to want to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of speculation around it, but uh, it was confirmed recent- earlier this week. And uh, it's going to be a major change for the studio because they've been on so much of Call of Duty for so long. So we'll see where that takes the franchise later on. But I'm pretty sure it's going to survive. Uh, oh, of yeah. course it will. <laughs> the legacy it's is, Call of Duty. Yeah, the legacy has been built and that's that. So, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, but like how much is it going to survive really? Because I, I thought I already heard rumors that the next Call of Duty is going to be like the next installment in black ops and it's going to be like another um modern military game like it seemed like their big power move recently to get people interested in call of duty again was to go back to world war ii and it's just like going back to the present day which is what they've been doing for the past like decade uh is it really going to get people that excited about call of duty again i mean i know it's got its staunch defenders and people are like you know the 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 big fans of the series are gonna support it no matter what but i don't know it seems like they're playing it awfully safe now well uh i guess that's to be seen i guess so (laughs) i don't know uh anyway um so here's something sonic uh we heard in like i think 2016 that sonic was getting a movie yes yeah yes and now we have a date. Finally got a release date. We have a release date. It's happening in uh, May, I believe. Ugh. That's right. Yeah, Ugh. May. T- I want to say May 26th. Ooh, the fastest thing alive. <laughs> and uh, Jordan's going to be ready. Bill, how are you not excited for this? This is, know, this yeah. is Sonic the Hedgehog, man. horrible. Oh, and by the way, Jordan, that I finally saw that Teen that. Titans Go trailer uh, last night. Yeah. 
I don't know what that means. Is that a good hoof or a bad bad hoof? hoof. That's a rough one. What do you mean a bad hoof? That looks really rough. Well, you never watched the cartoon. It's very in line with what the show is. is. And it sure looks like a Saturday morning cartoon that happens to be 90 minutes long. And that's going to be fan. I mean, who doesn't want that? I honestly, I went to two screenings this week. I saw the trailers for no less than seven superhero movies. And uh, I, I think it's I, – I, I think the, uh, the oversaturation is going to hit this summer and some things are going to bomb hard and Teen Titans Go is going to be a rough one. Well, you know what? I got, I'm inclined to agree with you there just because like the amount of, of staunch like Teen Titans from you know the 2000s defenders who believe that this is like the biggest abomination that ever disgraced the legacy that was the YTV Teen Titans mm-hmm. cartoon. Um, they're already like not I'm okay sure. with this. And so. also, and, and also, yeah, like, I, like I would be like moderately interested in it if I were not for the fact that Lego Batman came out like just barely a year ago and seemed to be doing yeah. the exact same tone far better. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But that's kind of Teen Titans go though. It is, it is very, very like Saturday morning silly. So if you're into that kind of thing, then it's like, it's probably going to be the same thing, but less oh, yeah. subtle, um, which I'm okay with. Cause I really yeah, like, I Titans. get it. I just, um, yeah, I like, like Batman was the Lego Batman movie was fun because it was the first like sort of parody of blockbuster superhero excess to get another one. Yeah. Um, that's like making fun of Aqu- the fact that Aquaman has a movie already wait, from the studio that's about to try and sell you Aquaman good. in like six months. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was a big cringe, big, big cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't blame you. I'm it doesn't surprise me. It. You're excited for Sonic as well, which is what got us here. Oh yeah. my God. I'm excited for Sonic and like Mario, and then I hope they're gonna do like a crossover. Yeah, that's at some not gonna point. happen. I'm, I'm, I, I'm see, totally, I'm, I'm okay with Mario as much as I think it's a mistake to make one. It's just the iconography is big enough. With Sonic, like I obviously have nostalgia for Sonic as well, and I enjoyed the heck out of that, uh, the 16-bit Sonic we got last year. But um, yeah, uh, if, if ever there was a character who could not sustain a 90-minute narrative. Is probably Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> well, what about because this is the thing is I don't think I ever got around to watching um, the original, like the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie from uh, nineteen ninety nine, and like it seemed like they could do like it. I gotta say, I feel like there's more to Sonic for a movie than there is to Mario because Sonic like has a kind of. Um, like a like an interesting dystopian future element to it like if they actually played into the whole like robotnik already roboticized like 90 percent of the world and there's a small group of like rebels who are trying to take him down like they could do sort of a pseudo star wars thing with sonic and it could make for a better movie than just you know mario rescues peach from bowser yeah it sounds horrible yeah, I'm sorry. Really? You think so? And then you yeah. throw in you throw in Metal Sonic there and they got a cool like oh no, Sonic has met his match. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think I definitely think I don't I don't think you're wrong. I I but I think there's probably a lot more to Sonic than there is like there's more to work with to make a movie than there is. To, I disagree. Uh, I feel it's the exact same thing. Um, like it's... like sure, a hero saving a princess is an ancient trope, but at this point, a hero saving the world from a dy- a dystopia led by a, a evil a madman who creates robots is pretty well. Pretty much, well, every story's been already been told twelve times. <laughs> I know <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta just settle for what you can get at this no. point. No, 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 you don't, Jason. <laughs> Wait, did you just literally two seconds ago say you shouldn't settle for what you can get? Yeah, and now you're using that argument. No. Like, I don't know, Jordan. Only, only uh-huh. the movies. Uh huh. Yeah. I... Video games is a whole different yeah, okay. realm. If Jordan owns a T-shirt of it, he will settle for it. Yes, fair yeah, enough. Exactly. Actually, surprisingly, I don't own yeah, Sonic. Yeah, me too. I wish I, did. I can't believe it. You gotta, you gotta go. You gotta go out this really weekend and write some wrongs. I'm gonna go take one of your t-shirts gotta, and draw gotta, it with gotta, a marker. Just says, gotta go fast. <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. Do you, now, will if you buy a ticket for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, do you get a free Monster Energy drink with it? I could only. I just hope don't know. So. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna be able or to like, keep up with that kind of speed without it. Anyway, Marvel is rebooting again. Yeah. And uh, not not really coming up as a surprise because uh, they recently changed over their CEO. And yep. so and, he... Uh, and Brian Michael Bendis, who uh, created Miles Morales and mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, uh, jumped ship to DC. So he was a crucial architect in uh, everything's Marvel's done since the early 2000s. So yeah. it, uh, that, the writing was on the wall after that happened as well. Exactly. Um, and I mean, he's excited, obviously, to take the new direction, but yep. uh, as as one would hope he would be, mm-hmm. uh, his goal is to try to get lapsed fans back in and uh, like lots of people who are very, you know, who fell out of it, lost track of it and just bring them all back. So uh, that probably means they're going to really dig into their roots for this. I don't know. Yeah. What do you It doesn't surprise me. I mean, like this is just a a once a decade cycle with 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 all uh, with Marvel and DC. Um, It's just a matter of time before they shake things up, release Mm -hmm. a bunch of new issue number ones to get people uh, stopping out at the comic book stores, and uh, and then yeah, revitalize. So I got no, I have no problem with it. I, I was actually excited when I heard uh, Brian Michael Bendis left because uh, he's such an interesting writer, uh, but has like you know been with Marvel for God probably, probably like fifteen, somewhere between fifteen and twenty years now, and uh, kind of tapped out those characters and and made his own additions to the world in a wonderful way. But I'm sort of intrigued to see what he does over at DC now, and intrigued to see who they bring in to uh, liven up Marvel. Marvel's good at, at giving new voices a shot. So I'm hoping that there will be uh, new writers and creators that come in and, and find new things to do with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, if only because like, you know, the the movies have pretty definitive versions of the classic takes on the characters. So there's, I think there's a lot of room to expand and experiment. And uh, yeah, I hope they do interesting stuff. Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm looking forward to what's coming out. So uh, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's wrap this up here with 
let's leave it at that. Oh, actually, no, we're going to okay. go back to the payday two statement because we did want to say something. So uh, talking, going back to um, some of the problems that the codes that were coming out for review on Switch, because it's not officially released yet. Uh, people were experiencing a lot of like uh, they were saying it. It's not the f- like the updated version of the la- latest thing that they could have put up there. Um, and Jordan, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So some people uh, they did a little bit of digging, um, pretty much, and they found that like so the PC version of uh, Payday Two is like kind of at like um, the like update version uh, one hundred and seventy two. And from what people have been looking at with the um, Switch version is that realistically, it's kind of at um, maybe like version 124. Like there's based on what's actually in there and like how the thing runs, there's no way that it's higher than that. Um, So very actually, uh, even I think they um, overkill did an AMA on Reddit, I think yesterday and Today, they kind of said that they like have heard what people are saying about the Switch version and that they essentially could like they put as much as they could into the Switch version and that they're planning on uh, patching it like in the future as they continue to update stuff. Um, they, they said that the content available is... Uh, up to and including the most wanted update, which I believe is um, uh, version 117. So that is like the case with it. Uh, it, it. Like it is sort of lacking in update contents, but like it's still, you know, going to have stuff coming down the line. Um, and from what people are saying based on the like the Switch version, like it's it does run really well and it is like, you know, it is essentially the same game, like on on the, on a Nintendo console, on a portable console, no less. So I don't know. I think it's kind of a bummer that it uh, mm-hmm. isn't as up to date as it should be. Um, but you know, as long as it uh, as long as it does run pretty well, and it's like it's still you know it's yeah. still the same basic game, then there really isn't uh, there really isn't that much you know to be super duper yeah, upset and about. i mean we'll have to see when it actually does launch because we still have till the 27th before it comes out so hopefully uh they'll make those changes that they need to make and uh i mean i i yeah i mean as long I as hope, they as long as they they yeah, have I just more hope they're stuff not, planned you know taking old stuff to reuse that as dlc later on because that would be a little bit i don't know no I don't think so. I mean, uh, realistically, uh, Overkill has been fairly good with that kind of stuff. Um, and as in terms of like what like is DLC, like all the DLC it's that available. did come out for it is available. Like they have the Hotline Miami stuff. They have the John Wick stuff. Uh, it really is just sort of like like version updates, like like which I I'm guessing re- like um, re- like is mostly about like performance and just like certain things that have been fixed and, and again and, and added to just to make the game a more functional thing. And they even, they kind of said that like, you know, they had uh, challenges like porting this thing to a new console. Right. So there's going to, they're going to have to like cut things yeah. out. And it is a more um, challenging somewhere. console to program for um, when all the latest, 
like assets that they've been working with are for the current gen consoles, right? Because they have to scale it down again. And now what do they cut yeah. and what do they remove and how do they put, put it back in and how do they meet their launch date? So we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, so like that, that, that being said, like now that they've got it on the switch and they uh, essentially like, I guess, understand how the platform works. Like they could probably have a, an easier time, rolling out new updates so that it runs like as as functional as it could and, and adds more content like specifically for the cool. switch well moving on well not really cool but yeah. it'll be cool hopefully i don't know we'll see cool it's enough. good, we'll <laughs> good see. enough anyway movie news what do you have to for us today phil yay, yay. i've got a bunch of stuff um first off uh, first off of course yeah i won't do all of them don't worry uh oh, first up uh, the uh, the big news this week is, of course, uh, Black Panther had the fifth largest opening weekend ever, uh, cracking $200 million, and only the original The Avengers made more in terms of a Marvel movie. So uh, that was incredibly exciting. Um, it was definitely a movie that deserved it. And uh, yeah, it just it's oh, another yeah. shot in the arm for uh, people who say that uh, the superhero industry is, slow, is uh, slowly dissipating, like me, about 10, 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah that was just re- it was really exciting to see and um it was just nice because so many of the people involved with that movie had never done a blockbuster before and mm. now after this success obviously um we're gonna have many 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 more opportunities and uh yeah it was exciting i saw yeah. i actually saw it again uh this week and uh found it held up better um on the second viewing if anything so did you guys see it yet i have not yeah oh. I went and saw it this weekend, and my god, I, I gotta say, uh, it's probably right under Civil War. It is probably, um, it's probably my second favorite of all the Marvel movies. I noticed that a lot of my favorite like Marvel yeah. movies are the Captain Americas, but it's it's a strong yeah. number two. Like it was incredible. Like everything about it, the action, the like mm-hmm. the the costume design, like the. Just how they built Wakanda as as an, as a locale. Yeah, it like, definitely has the ba- the most like intriguing uh, and distinct design of all the Marvel movies, which have all up until this point like had a, like a cool aesthetic, but one that was very much uh, on brand. And uh, with Black Panther, it very much felt like, even though it feels very much in line with the sort of you know world that's been established, it, it that it's also very much its own thing, which was nice to see. And uh, yeah. oh, and and Kilgrave was probably the best like Marvel movie, uh, or Marvel villain. It's honestly, like yeah, out of all of them, like I really can't think of one that really tops. Yeah. Just like how good his like backstory was, just like his motivation, just like Michael B. Jordan, just the way he was playing him was yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he brought his A game, man. And he's a he's an amazing. He truly actor, is. Too, and so it was really, nice I, to see I, him. I to know less from him after you know he. The Fantastic Four movie didn't quite turn out the way I'm sure he hoped it would. Um, so it was nice to just get him to get to do, do something on scale. And yeah, like other than Loki, there's no one that even comes close. Um, so yeah, great job all around. All right, next story. This is kind of a fun one. Uh, so, whoa, what was that? Oh, okay. Dog, he's stuck so under the uh, couch. Oh, poor dog. Yeah, poor dog. Um, all right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, next up, uh, so <laughs> next November or December, they're going to start shooting a James Bond movie. At the moment, there's no director, 
And uh, there, there's, there, there is a script that was commissioned, but it apparently was not good enough to get any director on board. So it, that's not super promising. Uh, but there's some really interesting news today, which was that uh, the, the screenwriter of Train Spotting, John Hodge, who I'm a huge, huge fan of, he also did Shallow mm-hmm. Grave and a few other really interesting little dark, darkly comedic cult films, has been hired to write a new script. And uh, the thinking there is, even though it hasn't been announced yet, uh, John Hodge, his uh, most frequent collaborator is Danny Boyle, uh, who directed Transpotting, did Slumdog Millionaire, 127 Hours, 28 Days Later, and uh, actually did the James Bond uh, short in the, uh, the the Olympics that were held in London a few years ago, uh, the one with Bond and the Queen. So uh, the thing is that he might be hiring Danny, that this is might be... Uh, him working on a screenplay specifically for Danny Boyle, or at least they're developing something to see if the Bond producers are willing to go in the direction they want to go. I'm super into this. Um, I think Danny Boyle is a great filmmaker. He is also a very like vibrant and kinetic filmmaker in a way that James Bond movies uh, haven't been. Um, they, they have a little more sort of stately um, quality to them, or at least this uh, the Daniel Craig patch of them have. And since this is going to be his last movie, I kind of love the idea of it being done by a kind of outsider voice coming in um uh obviously like uh sam mendez did the last two and particularly with skyfall did a really good job but he he certainly felt uh kind of very controlled and in service of the brand and uh while i'm certain uh danny boyle and john hodge would be reverent towards james bond if they want to make a james bond movie the fact that uh, they could be coming in and, and bringing something new to it. I find very, very, very exciting. Um, and I really, really, really hope that happens because uh, they've been amongst my favorite filmmakers since I was a wee lad and uh, never imagined they make a James Bond movie. So that could be cool. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, this is one really that cool. I know for sure will appeal to Jordan, which is that there is a feature length version of Kung Fury coming. Um, yeah. Made by the same team. Uh, Michael Fassbender oh is going to be so in excited. it. It's unannounced who he will play. I'm assuming Hitler, but I don't want to... <laughs> I, I, I can't be certain. Can't be certain. Um, and also... <laughs> yeah, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, David who's going to play the president of the United too. States. Um, so I'm very into this. I'm, I am I'm too. They announced a little... This. They had a little uh, teaser a while ago, a, a couple weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago, maybe? Yeah. That Michael Fassbender would, may be part of it. Now that now that it's confirmed, this is super exciting. Oh yeah, very very exciting. I'm just, I think I'm just a little bit uh, upset that uh, David Sandberg like isn't going to be playing Kung Fury. Like I know he's sort of on as like a like like what like a co-director, um, but it just I, I yeah, feel like I, he was. I don't know. He, he feels like the Kung iconic. Kung yeah. Fury to me. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. That's because from what I read, it seemed like he no, wasn't going to be I, like in the movie. No, the last thing um, I heard was that he would, but he was be, going to be attached uh, to Fury. it. I mean, like if he's not, then it's probably Michael Fassbender. Um, but uh, yeah, the, that was the last thing I heard was that he was going to get to reprise his role. But again, I don't know. It was. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 if definitely. That's case, so that's anyway, way, that's I'm way more excited about this than I should be. Uh, also, have either of you two seen the Paddington movies? Uh, no. Uh, they're I so have incredibly not, charming. Despite hearing that they're both enough. really and, good. Uh, the guy who directed them, Paul King, who also directed The Mighty Boosh, if you guys know uh, weirdo British comedy, he's been he's been oh hired uh, by Disney to do the live I action. I love the Boosh. 
which oh that's well i'm not into well, well i like it, it get increasingly cynical about disney uh, live actionifying all their animation classics uh mm-hmm. uh paul king has such a wonderfully whimsical fairy tale tone to what he's done already that i'd be really excited to see what he's doing with pinocchio it also uh is a little sad because uh, guillermo del toro for years was trying to get a pinocchio made and uh, this pretty well confirms that won't be happening uh but uh regardless i think that's actually a really oh. charming choice so uh it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens there uh other disney news uh the Disney's working on their uh, Netflix killing streaming service. Um, and uh, in addition to having the entire Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, Fox, uh, Buena Vista uh, library available to them, uh, as long as as well as everything on ABC and all the Disney channels, uh, they've, they're going to have their own programming. They've already announced there's going to be a uh, live action Star Wars TV series that will be a part of it. And this week they announced that they will be doing a new Muppet show for it, which pretty well confirms that I will be signing up for that service. Um, did you like the last Muppet show? I did not. I did not. Yeah. I did not. But I feel like a lot of lessons were learned from that. Okay. I loved the last two Muppet movies a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah. and I love the Muppets in general. And, uh, yeah, I got no problem with them trying it again. I just hope they get it right this time. <laughs> I'm sure they will. I think they learned a lot yeah. of lessons on that one. Like I conceptually, conceptually, I thought that was a funny idea to do a like mock documentary version of the Muppets. In practice, yeah. it, it did not work. Um, so, you know what? I just don't think they planned it long enough. Like the joke was funny for the first little bit, and then it just they didn't build it up enough or they built it up too much i don't know it was something that was just mixing missing from the mix well i think it was just like they came up with a fun idea did a pilot all of a sudden had a tv series and didn't know what to do um yeah. so i would hope that this time that won't happen again um but i just like anything that perpetuates the muppets makes me happy and uh uh yeah we'll see what that's all about uh yeah. next up it just it just really bums me out that we need to have like more streaming services because like the fact that they want to take all the Disney movies off of mm-hmm. Netflix and put it on their own like proprietary service is like well great now I need to have Netflix yep. and the Disney thing I've if been, I ever want to watch like this an Avengers movie ever since the world and... jumped on the Netflix bandwagon it was only a matter of time it doesn't surprise me one iota and I'm glad that I didn't get rid of any of my physical media. Yeah, I mean, as uh, uh, the only way I'll somewhat be okay with this is if they find a way to like bring back uh, Tron or Tron uh, Uprising because that was a really, really amazing show that never, you know, got off the ground because nobody got on board before it. So if they okay, do some well, Tron stuff, then I'll be okay. But, then I'll sign uh, up. I'm, I'm happy to hear that that excites you. Um, if well, you're, have you ever shame. seen the Tron roller coaster that they have at Disney World Shanghai? Do yourself a favor and go on YouTube when we're done. No, I did the Tron not. Roller coaster. It'll knock your socks off. You actually are seated in the bikes in the correct position. They found a way to lock you in so that you're held on the bikes. And uh, they play uh, the Daft Punk score the entire time. It it's in, looks incredible. And... Uh, well, whatever. Uh, they're uh, called the bike cycles, Phil. They're not called bikes. Moving on. They're called glow bikes, okay? Uh, they're light cycles. Get it right. Next story. Uh, 
uh, Chris Columbus <laughs> is going to write and direct a Five Nights at Freddy's movie for Bloomhouse. Um, yeah, which I have two minds yes, about. I, um, about while I, of course, like enjoy the aesthetic of Five Nights at Freddy, I've always found it a bit odd um, how much of a phenomenon it became. Um, I don't quite understand. Yeah, it was fine. Did you ever play yeah, though? I- yeah, like it, it okay. was fine. I just okay. it's just surprised me that it like exploded into pop culture the way it had. Um, I do think it's a great design. I think there are great ideas there. I don't. I actually think it's not a horrible idea for a movie. I think there's some potential there. Um, but yeah, but Chris Columbus is an interesting choice. Oh, absolutely. Um, obviously, given the market for Five Nights at Freddy's, this is going to be like a PG thirteen aimed at kids and teenagers horror movie um he has he certainly has uh experience with that given that he wrote gremlins and wrote goonies and directed uh home alone and the first harry potter so those things all give me hope his last movie was also pixels which does not give me a lot of hope so um (laughs) i'm about 50 50 on this i do think chris columbus is an interesting (laughs) guy i think he um like there aren't a lot of movies he's done, even though he started as a writer that he conceived of himself. I think he works as a director for hire. And so I kind of have always felt that the reason why a lot of his movies aren't great are because they were just assignments he took on. Um, but that said, uh, Gremlins is quite possibly the greatest horror movie ever made for children. Um, so uh, horror, horror comedy, no less. So if that's the tone oh, yeah. that he wants to take with Five Nights at Freddy, I think there's a lot of potential there. But uh, we'll mm-hmm. see. It's with Bloomhouse, so we'll certainly have absolute freedom. So we shall see. That's uh, yeah. that's kind of an intriguing one. Yeah, kind of on board with yeah, that. That's, yeah, that sounds neat. Yeah, and uh, two more, and then I'm done, I promise. Uh, okay. The next one is uh, Joaquin Phoenix is in talks to play the Joker for that a Joker solo movie that's directed by Todd Phillips and produced by Martin Scorsese. Um, I'm, I'm into that. I think he'd be a fantastic Joker. Yeah, I think um, he, he has the, the range enough to be able to make it dynamic and give yeah. it some depth. I think he'd do but. something really interesting with it. He's a yeah. he's, he's one of the most uh, interesting actors out there. Very, very eccentric in all the right ways. His yeah. face is even the right shape for like the classic yeah. cartoon version of the Joker. Um, and I even I know a lot of people poo poo on this because it's by Todd Phillips who did The Hangover. I actually think it's not a horrible choice. I think if you actually look at his movies, even though they're all immature broy comedies like uh, The Hangover and, and Road Trip and Old School, he's actually uh, like one of the few comedy directors who has a very strong sense of, of visual storytelling and filmmaking. And uh, I think he could actually do. So, an, an interesting, darkly comedic Joker movie. Um, and uh, if he gets Joaquin Phoenix, I'm extra on board. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, and then finally, uh, Don Mancini, the creator of Chucky, who's written every single Chucky movie, uh, says that he is currently working on a Chucky TV series, um, which would apparently be a continuation of the franchise, uh, would maintain continuity and be very, very dark in keeping with the last two. Uh, actually quite good Chucky movies, even though they were released uh, direct to DVD. I really re- recommend them a lot. Uh, Cult of Chucky and uh, Curse of Chucky really work well if you enjoy that little bastard of a doll. And he also says that he's working on a Chucky movie that he would like to be set during World War II. Um, I'm not sure how that's possible, 
But the idea of Chucky killing Nazis appeals to me. And I hope that they somehow make that happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that, oh, okay. I mean. I, it's I, just crazy enough yeah. to be worthwhile. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's growing on me, the idea. Yeah. I, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah. Well, that's it. That's, that's, that's all. all that's right. it. So let's take yeah. a break and we'll hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, that's we're going to cool. hear about the movies that you got to see. Yay. Yay. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always $5 short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Past. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next comic bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG, all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next comic bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next comic bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. The Pixels and Ink podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Thanks again, Buns Podcast Network and uh, Comic Bento. All right, Phil, saw some movies. Phil, what did you go see? That he that he did indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got three to talk about uh, today. Uh, the first one, <coughs> excuse me, what? Uh, is uh, I, I really loved a lot. Uh, the review should be up on the site now, and that is Annihilation. Um, it's the new movie by Alex Garland, who wrote 28 Days Later and Sunshine and wrote and directed Ex Machina a few years ago. It was a directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sort of banked enough success and prestige that he was able to uh, somehow talk a studio into making this adaptation of a cult sci-fi horror novel by uh, just Jeff Vandermeer, um, which is, for anyone that's read it, is uh, it, it's one of those books that's very easily deemed unfilmable because so much of it is kind of in, in very much inspired by H.P. Lovecraft and that it's sort of about sort of unknowable, unconceivable horror that sort of screws with your head and your mind and the nature of reality and the sort of thing that, you know, as you read it, it sort of is dependent on you to fill in a lot of blanks. So uh, his movie is a very free adaptation of that, but very much in keeping with that tone. Uh, the basic premise is that Natalie Portman plays a former soldier turned professor who um, is uh, kind of bummed out at the start of the movie because her husband, played by Oscar Isaac, who is also a soldier, uh, went away on a super secret mission months ago, never returned, and uh, it was presumed dead. And then he suddenly just shows up at their house one day. Uh, she, uh, she races him over to the hospital to see what's what. And next thing you know, uh, that they're surrounded by mysterious black SUVs and kidnapped and sedated. And Natalie Portman wakes up in a room uh, where she's presented with Jason Lee, who explains that what's happened is there's this mysterious zone that's appeared uh, called Area X or the Shimmer that's uh, slowly taking over a large patch of land. And anytime they send people in to see what's going on with it, they never return, except for Oster Isaac, who has returned with 
uh, little memory of where he is or who he, or where, where he was or who he is. So uh, they decided since it's exclusively been men that have gone in, gone in so far, the next uh, mission is going to be women to see if that makes any difference on what's happening. Uh, it's a collection of scientists um, led by Jennifer Jason Lee and Natalie Portman. She agrees. They go in and then things get even crazier. Uh, the first, what seems like the first morning they wake up at their campsite and then review their supplies and realize they've been there at least a week, but have no memory of the time spent there. Uh, everything is just a little bit off and a little bit strange. There are monsters and, uh, it, and I really shouldn't say anything more. That said, like I could tell you the whole plot and it wouldn't explain everything because it is very much a movie that is done uh, ambiguously. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that you're designed to sort of impose your old meaning onto. Uh, The basic premise is sort of the the existential horror that would come from the moment if we realized that uh, evolution is taking place and we are not on the right side of that evolution and what that means and how hard that would be to comprehend. Um, it is a very complicated, uh, very tricky, sort of hard sci-fi movie. Um, even Ex Machina, uh, which ha- was uh, you know highly conceptual and had a lot going on intellectually, at least did have a very contained, very closed, very concise and, and consistent narrative. Annihilation yeah. is sort of designed to... So as it goes on, push you into an almost uh, psychedelic and inexplicable place uh, like 2001 A Space Odyssey or uh, the works of uh, the great Russian uh, science fiction art film filmmaker uh, Andrei Tarkovsky. Um, It's very slow and very deliberate. It's very beautiful. The images are always uh, strikingly beautiful and also uh, uh, grotesque. Um, the performances are strong, but everyone is very muted. There's no emotion very deliberately. It's very much a sort of intellectual exercise. And yet at the same time, it is also incredibly creepy and incredibly unsettling. There are some remarkable monster designs that were done by the comic book artist Jacques. Um, oh, who's done a lot of really, really interesting work yeah. over the years. And and he actually designed the android in Ex Machina as well. And if anything, uh, the work that he does in Annihilation looks even more like his uh, artwork brought to life. Um, it's definitely a movie that will be divisive. There will be a lot of people who go in expecting a sort of science fiction, horror, action-adventure movie a la Aliens. Well, uh, be uh, frustrated by how sort of slow and uh, unnerving it is. Um, there will be people that go into it expecting a very intellectual art house movie and will be put off by all the uh, gruesome gore and creepy creepouts. Um, it's for a very select crowd, but um, if you're someone who enjoys uh, the more intellectual side of horror and science fiction this is very very much a movie for you and i'd encourage everyone if you live in a city where it's playing in the theaters to go it's extraordinary to watch on screen on the big screen they've done some really really beautiful trippy uh disturbing and thought-provoking effects and, and set pieces here that just look remarkable on a big screen um and the reason i encourage you to go quickly is because uh paramount got kind of cold feet about this and have already uh sold the the home distribution rights to netflix outside of north america it will mostly be premiering outside of north america and i believe britain it will be premiering on netflix this friday instead of theatrically um, and I understand why they did it. Paramount, uh, did a, took a couple, this is like one of three big risky, uh, sort of art house genre movies they've made over the last yeah. year after mother and, um, downsizing. Neither of those ones did particularly well. This one's even more difficult and, uh, 
is will not make a ton at the box office. Um, but I. Uh, so does that mean we're just not going to see more of this sort of genre coming out? Um, like, no, I think we will. I don't think it'll be Paramount that does it. Um, yeah. I think Paramount has been really struggling for a long time. Um, and, uh, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if Paramount doesn't exist in a few years. Um, mm. it's sort of gotten that bad for them, but, uh, yeah, it's disappointing that that happened, but at the same time, like, this is also the sort of movie that would have, you know, five years ago played at a few major cities and then just disappeared to DVD anyway. So at least now theoretically more people can see it and, also, like, from my perspective anyway, I saw it once in a theater, had that great experience. I really need to see it again just to figure out what the F I think is going on in a lot of moments. And now Netflix, you know, will make it immediately available to me. So there's good and bad about this, but there's no denying mm-hmm. that that is disappointing. Uh, yeah. So that's one. That's a great flick if you like that sort of thing. That will, that will either be, like, something that you're, like, is your new favorite movie for, like, a week or that you just are angry at it and never want to look at it again. So yeah, <laughs> see I mean, it and find out. Um, but, uh, and then on a full 180 from that, but still within the sci-fi horror genre is mom and dad, which finally comes out in Canada this week. It's a movie by Brian Taylor. Who's one half of the writing director duo that made the crank movies. And so I will love them forever. Um, it, this one is about a world where, uh, all of a sudden, and without explanation, all parents just start turning to just decide to kill their children in a murderous rage. Um, never quite explained why. Doesn't have to be. Um, and the most important part is that it's sort of while it is a sort of grand global concept, it is very much done like a low budget exploitation movie from the seventies, and that it's ultimately about one small family. And the key thing there is that the the dad in the title is Nicolas Cage, and the mother is Selma Blair. And if you want to see Nicolas Cage go crazy and smash up a pool table with a sledgehammer while singing the hokey pokey and then go murder his children, this is the movie for you. Um, it is absolutely insane. It is um, because it's shot by uh, Brian Taylor, who did Crank. Oh, and he also did the series Happy. I don't know if you guys watched that. It played uh, over Christmas based on a Grant Morrison comic. Really good. Anyway. he Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's really good. I saw it. I don't think I watched no. it. I really recommend it. It's about a like hard-boiled killer who gets hit on the head and starts seeing a CGI blue unicorn uh, oh, yeah. trying to catch up in life while he's got to go kill all the mob. Um, it's great. Uh, it's also set at Christmas. Uh, so anyway, um, the... Uh, <laughs> so it's a good oh, family film. Uh, so, so anyway, he has a super like hyperactive right. uh, filmmaking style. So mom and dad uh, is just like a nonstop barrage of uh, sensory overload, um, which is the kind of movie you need just to contain the type of Nicolas Cage performance that is going on here where he is uh, like, even when he is not unhinged, he is clearly unhinged. It's that kind of thing. So it's just a ton of sleazy fun. It's just smart enough that you don't feel too guilty about watching it and just stupid enough that you laugh from the first frame to the last, whether or not you're supposed to be laughing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's one of the best uh, trashy Nick Cage movies to come along in a long time. And I am an aficionado of such things. So I highly recommend <laughs> it. And then finally, the third movie I'll talk about very briefly is Game Night, which is a new comedy, uh, dark comedy. This is the one about the yeah, board yeah, games, yeah. It's right? about a group of middle-aged yeah. people get to get getting together for a game night. Uh, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams are the stars. They're hyper-competitive people. Um, 
Jason Bateman's always been jealous of his big brother played by uh, Kyle Chandler and Kyle Chandler insists on hoping and hosting a game night. And he tells them that he's hired this service. That's kind of like a budget version of uh, that movie, the game with Michael Douglas, where uh, they're, they're going to be someone from the, the group is going to be kidnapped and then they'll be given clues to solve a mystery to try and find them. And then, uh Oh, uh, actual people show up t- to beat up and kidnap uh, Jason Bateman's brother. And then all of a sudden they have to solve this actual murder. Um, it's really silly. It's by uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who did the underrated uh, re- reboot slash sequel to Vacation and also wrote uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. It came out in the summer. I'm oh, not The Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming. Woo. That's a big difference. The people that, did, the yeah. people that wrote <laughs> The Amazing Spider-Man is not, are not worth getting excited about. So... Um, and John Francis Daly is also uh, the kid <laughs> from Freaks and Geeks. Um, this is what he does now. And uh, this is a really, really fun, dark comedy. Uh, it was a lot darker than I expected from a Hollywood comedy. There's a lot of slapstick gore and and uh, really clever reveals. Um, it's also all deliberately shot to look like a David Fincher movie, which is uh, I hadn't seen anyone do a kind of like tongue-in-cheek parody David Fincher style before. And that was really, really fun. You realize just how... Uh, familiar um, his styles become both because of you know all the great movies he's done and all the people who have knocked it off and uh, that's kind of makes it a kind of fun kind of semi-parody semi-parody of the game and um, uh, just just as far as like mainstream movie star driven Hollywood comedies go uh, this is actually a very uh, twisted and clever one and uh, if you feel like laughing at uh, Blood Splatter uh, over the weekend I uh, can't recommend it enough so a uh, good uh, a good weekend for people who like uh, R-rated bad taste and R-rated art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a good week. Cause I, I got I got the trailer for Annihilation uh, in front of Blade Runner, oh, yeah. which was probably the perfect place for it to be. And like as soon as it came out, like I was immediately intrigued. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to see it now. Yeah, it's a really good. It's really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, I didn't like it quite as much as Ex Machina, mm-hmm. which I do think is really, really great. But yeah, I really um, liked Ex Machina. I just, it's one of those movies where, like, when it was so, done, I was just like, I can't believe they were able to make that because it's not mm-hmm. just as like twisted and and ambiguous. It's also like a like very expensive, very pretty looking science fiction movie. So like, it's the type of thing that only could have been done through Hollywood. So I can't believe he's able to do it. It's a, it, yeah, it's like I said, it's a shame about what's kind of happened with how it's coming out. But, uh, yeah. you know, if you live in a city where it's playing, which they're, they're going to try and blast it out a little bit more than a, than a tiny art house release. So there, there is a chance. I, I, yeah, I, I highly recommend it if you want to have, uh, your brains blown out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Wow. Well, I did play some moving games. Along from that, uh, Jordan played I played uh, Bayonetta so 1 and Jordan. 2 on the Switch. I did quite enjoy it. I actually never played Bayonetta when it? they first came out. I was a huge fan of Devil May Cry. And I remember way back when uh, when Bayonetta, they first mm. they put a demo on the Xbox 360 and I played it and I loved it. And for whatever reason, I just sort of slept on it. Um 
Same with Bayonetta 2. Like I, I always I wanted to get it because at that point when they uh, released it on the Wii U, it was like, well, they're releasing it with Bayonetta 1, so this is the perfect opportunity to play both of them and just never got around to getting it for whatever reason. Um, so now is the perfect time to get them uh, because let's face it, like I and maybe three other people owned a Wii U, so no one got a uh, chance to play Bayonetta 2. Um, and like... I, you know, it just, they're, they're like the, the, the classic, you know, quintessential beat-em-ups in that genre. Like if you are like a fan of Devil May Cry, these games are almost exactly like them uh, in terms of gameplay. Uh, Bayonetta is just such a fascinating character. Uh, Like she's so sassy and, uh, and like, just like such a strong, um, such a strong female character, despite the fact that she is designed to be very sexual. But at the same time, it's like, you know, a, a woman can be sexy and still be a strong female character. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and and I kind of made the joke about it in my review. But I kind of feel like uh, Bayonetta really is like kind of a perfect Nintendo character. Like, it seems really funny to me that when Bayonetta first came out, it seemed like it was going in this direction like devil may cry that it was going to be this big multi-platform like just sort of third party release and then nintendo just sort of very sneakily stole it and now it's only coming out on nintendo consoles i guess with the exception of the first one that got released for pc but um like just in terms of visual design like bayonetta really seems like the kind of character that nintendo would create as a first party character like she's just so um uh, extreme in all of her design elements in, in despite you know she's a very mature character and it kind of feels like that's like if Nintendo if Nintendo was given the task to create a, mat- a mature character she is what they'd come up with so I'm really glad that uh, she found her way onto uh, onto the switch but anyway getting off topic here uh, the game runs amazingly on the switch both on and off the dock uh, it's it was surprising to me that they made the decision to uh, lock the game at 720p um although it's sort of balanced out by the fact that both on and off the dock it runs at a that like a consistent 60 so realistically you're not really getting um a visual downgrade and they do a lot i think in the way of balancing how the game looks like just in terms of like like um i want to like like graphic shaders and just sort of like the way that um visual design is is sort of implemented you never really feel like you're looking at a game that looks bad like it always looks really crisp and clean and you're not i don't know maybe it's just me and if you're the kind of person who really notices um like these little graphical downgrades uh it's gonna bother you but i could never really tell that it wasn't uh like a high definition game um, so yeah, really great. R- highly recommend it. It's definitely uh, it's definitely worth a, an own, and it's just it is the kind of, like a great game to just take on the go and just have a quick little uh, bit of beat 'em up fun. And then there's Owlboy, and oh my god, Owlboy is a freaking masterpiece. I love this game. Like I loved it when I played it. Um, sort of what was it back in like november when it got released on uh on pc and like no better place does it belong than on the nintendo switch like it really is um just like so so belonging in that pantheon of of great 
Nintendo games, even though, you know, Nintendo didn't make it, obviously. Like, it just, it feels to me like the kind of game that Nintendo would make back in the day. Like, it's so um, obviously inspired by those great uh, games of the SNES era, like Zelda and Metroid. And um, although it plays a lot like Demon's Quest, if you ever played Demon's Quest on uh, SNES. No, no one, just me. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, oh no, wait, Demon's oh, Quest. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have. I liked. I liked it. I preferred the. Um, I don't know if you ever played the Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, what was it? Like, um, uh, I feel like that. Wait, wait a minute. Was the Game yeah, Boy or no, Demon's it, Quest, and then the SNES was like Knight's Quest um, or something? I like think that? it had a different name on the Game Boy. It, it was uh, Gargoyle's Quest on Game Boy. Yeah, that's it. Gargoyles Quest. Yeah, I love Gargoyles Quest. I played a little bit of Demon Quest, but I was more uh, oh, yeah. like the side scrolling. So it's a lot that, like uh, that in the yeah, in the yeah. way that like you're sort of given the power of flight right off the bat, so you're really not like limited in that uh, that control scheme. But it's just like there is just so much depth to this game. Like the story is so interesting, like very dark at times. Like like it felt a lot to me like like. Um, some kind of like the golden age of like Disney movies where they were very whimsical and fun and fantasy filled, but then they did get very dark at times and they dealt with things like very seriously. Um, the, like the, the, the visual design is just so like colorful and beautiful. Like even with the 16 bit aesthetic, like it's so highly detailed. Like there's such intricate amounts of like just little like touches here and there in the backgrounds that like the whole world just feels so alive. Um, and it's fantastic. Like it's just, it's just such a great game. And it's uh, like this, the Owlboy was in development for 10 years and you can really see like just like how much the hard work paid off in this thing. Like it is probably one of the best indie games I've played um, in the past couple of years. And like, I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Cool. Yeah. It looks like a great game. And uh, I know they've been working really hard to bring it to switch because it's the perfect platform for it. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that's the thing about it too, that, that, that I love is that like, like it's one of those games um, kind of like some of the better examples on the DS where like, cause although the world really like the game world really isn't that small, it's got, it sort of has that small game feel to it, but it does that really good thing where it's sort of like a small game that feels humongous. And, and I feel like that that's like lends itself perfectly to being on a portable console. Cause you never really feel um, just how like, how uh, like linear some of the game, like parts of the game can be like, it just, it always feels epic and it does it like it's really great um in that sort of portable game way yeah cool oh yeah it's yeah. definitely worth picking up yeah awesome yeah cool all right <laughs> i think we're, i think we've run a i i didn't play any games this week phil did you play any games this week i played uh some lego star wars on my phone yeah, <laughs> yeah. i played what other game do you need to play really yeah, well that's all yeah. you need played final fantasy 15 pocket edition but i talked about that on the coffee and cartridges podcast that came out you on did. tuesday and that was that was a fun time so i think that was a good time yeah i think uh, i'm ready to wrap it up here how are you guys anything else we're good no I'm good. I'm good i'm good okay well thanks everyone for listening and if you like what you hear or you want to know more about uh some of the games or movies we talked about you can visit us on cgmagonline.com uh the reviews for most of them are 
posted by the time this podcast comes out. And uh, you can also like and subscribe to our podcast on Buns Podcast Network, Apple iTunes, or any of your favorite podcast apps. Apps. You can follow us on Facebook at CG Magazine, on Instagram at CG Mag Online, and on Twitter at CG Mag Online. Guys, you want to plug your Twitters, Phil? Yes, I am at that Phil Brown. And Jordan? I am at Ninja Jordan underscore. And I am at Lisa Awesome with no ease. You can catch past episodes of Pixels and Ink on YouTube. So subscribe to our channel for that and some really great videos of games and thoughts and things. And thanks again to Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento for sponsoring our podcast. And from everyone here at CG Magazine, have a great weekend. Bye.